0: Welcome to Artful Aging with your host, Amy. Are you a
1: senior or a caregiver of a senior looking for support and direction? Best-selling author, educator, and expert in senior living, Amy Friesen is here with the
0: help you need while providing you with an important and valuable support network.
1: So now, please welcome the host of Artful Aging, Amy Friesen. Good morning everyone, I'm Amy Friesen, and this is Artful Aging with Amy. We're live from Bold Brave TV, and today I'm joined with Mark Seguet, an author and keynote speaker on advocacy and aging. What is advocacy, some of you may say? Advocacy is acting in favor of, or supporting another person. As many of you have now been exposed to since COVID, advocacy for our seniors is so, so important, and many families do advocate. Yet some families are still trying to find the balance of when and how much advocacy to do as to not step on their loved one's toes. At no time in the past have we had such an influx of seniors, though, in our population, especially in Canada. We're at about 7 million seniors, 65 plus. So this influx will disrupt what we already know, and many companies will have to play catch up. The government will have to play catch-up, which leaves these spaces where things can fall through the cracks. Being an advocate of your, for your senior loved one is one way to help the, circumvent these serious issues. After a successful career launching and commercializing innovations in, tele, uh, in telecom and entrepreneurial startups, Maxi, uh, Maxi turned his attention to the challenges of financial and personal care management for elders. He has helped many families including his own plan for the ideal uh plan for sorry and plan for and deal with the inevitable changes in life and aging as they begin sorry for the tongue twister welcome mac uh, thanks so much for joining us i'm really happy to have you on today
0: thank you for having me and uh, thank you for putting these uh, shows on it's uh it's a great uh, set of content for the community and especially the aging community i've uh, listened to many of them and uh, uh, congratulations again, it's uh, phenomenal, and thank you for having me.
1: Well, thank you, and and that's what Artful Aging is all about, as you and I were talking about. It's, it's about bringing pieces of information all together on one platform so people can pick and choose what they need. So, Mark, maybe we could start by telling us more about your own journey and how you decided to write and speak on advocacy. And again, I haven't said this yet, but Mark's book is Advocacy and Aging, which is available on Mark's website, but he'll tell us a little bit more. Mark?
0: Yeah, So thank you. Uh, the journey was an interesting one and uh, really goes back to I've always had an interest in uh, estate financial planning, as estate planning, not as much when you're young, but as you get older. But uh, my father-in-law, when he retired, uh, got really passionate about uh, estate planning and read a lot of books and he shared some of it. In hindsight, probably not as much. And, you know, I, I believe very much in open conversation. We'll talk more about that, but uh, probably more than the average. Uh, but in hindsight, um, what he did not plan for is to lose his mind. And as he lost his mind, he started, for control's sake, everyone seemed to want to keep control and not share the, the management and so on. It started simplifying things and changing things and some of those things that have done very well. And it's only one day when he we uncovered that he actually sold an asset. I, I won't get into the details for five cents on a dollar. And we said, oh, my goodness. And really, he was trying to do the right thing, remove the burden from the family and so on, but that was not a good thing. And and we had, at that point, uh, recognized, we knew he was early in dementia, but we recognized it was time to get involved. So up to that point, haven't? And, and that really opened my eyes because if he hadn't uh, planned for those circumstances, I would have assumed that most of the population didn't. So the, my, I got more interested in the subject, got in, in social conversation. Uh, got proactively engaged with my parents and and that turned out to be a really really positive experience and then really I started wearing my own and as I was planning I I realized that my criteria were very clear I was planning for what happens if I lose my mind what happens if I lose control I need to find a way to hand it over which most people don't think of proactively and and so that's a bit of the story and over time I developed a framework the crux but that, that tells me how I got engaged and developed the framework. Uh, the book uh, came about when on uh, my 60th birthday, yes, I'm six, over 60, uh, someone gave me a book. It's Willing Wisdom by Tom Deans, which a uh, really great read. I would recommend it to anybody. Um, simple read. I jumped into it, and it was about open communication, but it was more dealing uh, for after death and how you openly communicate about your wishes for how your estate is to uh, be distributed. And uh, I really, really liked that book. And I kind of said, wow, I'm merely focused on the living year while he's focused on the after situation. And I said, I could probably write a book. And I got in touch with Tom by circumstance and over a few conversation, uh, he not only encouraged me, uh, gave me some very important hints. And at one point I basically said, if I don't do this, uh, I'll always regret it. So that's how I started writing the book, and uh, it's a process, and it's been a phenomenal journey, and I, I still learn it's a journey that's going to continue. I still learn every day uh, uh, about something new and, you know, uh, about how important and, and how uh, significant this this new economy and reality is and, and what people are facing.
1: I'm curious to know when uh, when things were going on with your dad, did you – have that kind of um balancing act that I was mentioning at the first like when do I step in you know obviously he's got his background his education things like that you know that was going on in his life and then things start to change like you said with his cognitive did you have that balancing act of like okay now oh wait not now uh, did that come across
0: well uh it was with my father in law and that's even more uh it was more difficult because it's not my father and uh, at one point I talked to my mom uh, my mom my, my wife and, and she, you know, I kind of said, you know, we've known that your dad's degrading, but, you know, when you get involved. And I did approach him uh, very quietly at one point we were visiting. They live in the, uh, four hours away and don't see them often. And And I kind of say, I told him, I said, when is it that you decide that you don't have the capability of driving? And it was an interesting conversation. And I'm not sure. Whether that had an impact, but he started realizing and opening a conversation, and it's it's when that next uh, event where he sold that uh, that particular asset that you know kind of everyone woke up, and at that point, uh, fortunately, um, it was uh, he was very open. Uh, my mother-in-law, which actually had dementia, both of them had dementia, which makes it even worse uh that uh they were open but not not all the case in my family situation actually my mom was very aggressive and then uh, in defiance so that's another story we could may talk about later so uh but it's uh uh you do and, and in my book i do talk about how to do the transition gradually and and really if you start early you can build the trust in a relationship and it's a kind of a wonderful thing if you do it right
1: I find that a lot of people, I mean, we're, again, for the audience that watches us, we're all about planning and pre-planning and making sure you're prepared. A lot of people don't want to take that step until the step is maybe too late. So that's difficult for a lot of, like, my clients. It's even in my family. Um, But let's continue this conversation after the break, Mac. Uh, uh, When when we come back, we will continue the conversation, and we're going to talk a little bit about misconceptions and what advocacy in aging is. You're watching Artful Aging with Amy on Bull Brave TV. Artful Aging with Amy is currently looking for guests and show ideas for our next season. Drop us a line at hello at artfulagingwithamy.com and let us know what you would like to learn about in our upcoming season. Welcome back. Mac is joining us today. We're having a look at advocacy and aging and we're going to take a bit of a deeper dive now, one way to look at advocacy is in a large group of people advocating to make change, but there's also people like Sally's mom and Esther's mom and all of these people that are are trying to advocate for their loved ones to make sure that their care needs are met, to make sure their financial needs are met, and all the rest. And so, Mac, could you please tell us a little bit more about what advocacy and aging means?
0: Yeah, well, let, let me start by first saying that uh, when I started writing the book and trying to put my thoughts together in a framework and you know crystallized a framework, uh, I was not actually focused on advocacy nor did the concept of building a team around you. And uh, what I realized as I was putting the pieces together are a few things. So first of all, is that uh, the basic premise of the book was that we're going to live longer. And as we live longer, you're going to have degraded capability and whether we like it or not, and most people don't like to think of that concept, then you're going to need some support and help. And if you kind of listen to the standard uh, recommendations, people say, well, you're going to go to your decision maker, which is the person that you would have named in your power of attorney, whether it's power of attorney for property and so on. And, and a lot of that is limited to that. But but really, uh, as you work through and talk to people and so on and so forth there's two things that really stand out first of all you're going to need probably more help than you uh you think there's going to be more transitions than you think and uh, most important there's a lot of people that want to help you uh you've built in your life uh you know communities around you families around you and people don't realize that uh you want you know people are willing to help so as you go through a process of planning and planning takes more than just the financial focus, it takes the healthcare focus, the house, house care focus and so on and so forth. So uh, the concept is to build fundamentally a community around you. And I actually have eventually introduced the concept of five sub teams uh, that become advocates and you can nurture obviously starting with who are your delegates, uh, your legal delegates, whether it's your executors, your power of attorneys and so on and so forth.
1: Well, and I think that it's interesting that you said that you know we all have people around us, generally speaking, that care for us, that want to see the best for us, and I think that um, that's one of the misconceptions. We're going to talk about it, the other ones in just a second, but one of the misconceptions I find is that a lot of uh, a lot of seniors that we work with at Tea and Toast um, actually feel like they, they, there's no one around that that they're being a burden, that they don't want to ask. And I I feel like that is the complete opposite from my own knowledge point of view. What are like? Do you agree, Mac? And what are some of the other misconceptions that you've learned? Yeah,
0: I I absolutely I absolutely agree. And it's a subject that uh, it's very difficult for people historically, especially in the prior generation. I think it's improving with the next generation, but people didn't want to talk about money. It's a taboo subject, and you know you don't want to dis uh, you know disturb the people. Uh, The other thing is, and this I'm seeing day in and day out, and and I'm actually quite surprised about it, and how people avoid talking about death, avoid talking about degradation or critical illness. Uh, Those scenarios people don't want. It's very, very difficult. I'm part of a group called Compassion in Ottawa, who we actually do a workshop for an hour and a half. And I was stunned, an hour and a half just to open a conversation. So so really... uh, you know the, the misconception is you shouldn't talk about it. It's exactly the opposite. And the misconception is people uh, really um, are open. They want people want to help. So so the difficult part is to find a trigger to get it started. Okay, and and really I'm I'm going to say to people just just find the right opportunity uh, to uh, to open a conversation. In the case of my parents, uh, I kind of was worried uh, through my life that whether they have the means, especially if they live long. And at 88 and 84, they they, they were still kicking pretty strong and having an active life and living in the countryside and so on. And one day they said, uh, we're going to, uh, we have sold our place and we're going to move to the city. And I said, "Uh oh, because to me, the house was a buffer an equity buffer, should there be not enough money? And I had no idea the situation, but I didn't, they had a humble life, so I didn't know there's enough. That was a trigger. So I used that and started a conversation. It was interesting. My dad was really open and it it really started building a strong relationship, a new kind of relationship with my parents. That was very good. My mom was a little bit more resistant and it was interesting because at one point I said, listen, I'd like to help you in the planning, but really I'm doing my own planning and I need to know whether I'll need to subsidize you, and all of that changed the whole uh, situation, and we move forward. So that, must, I'm not saying that's the same trigger for everybody, but find a trigger to start the conversation. It's hard, but uh, for for a lot of people. But once you have it, then it's it's a wonderful experience. And I could say, I'm, I uh, I I've had such a a good feeling and good time to build a new relationship and get to know my parents from another angle and get closer to them. So it's been great.
1: I think it's interesting that you said too about how you're planning yours or you need to know theirs. Right. So there's lots of people, myself included, that have parents, obviously, that you know that are going to be seniors eventually or going or are seniors now. And there's a, there's a the generation below that are looking at okay do i need to extend money or care or services or time to my loved ones as they age what does it look like but the problem is is that a lot of us are putting this puzzle together in the dark and so even you know mike and i we have three parents that were in the back of our mind planning for but we have very limited information and i think using any of that type of information to open the doors um is is valuable but also to know and i would like to know if you agree that you know one conversation to open a door might not open the door the whole way and so to kind of hang in there and do it respectfully but maybe have to open that door a couple of times did,
0: did, oh did you find well that? I, I i more than agree in fact uh, as i started opening a conversation i knew it was going to be uh, a journey i didn't know how long the financial process to get a baseline, and I'm not even talking about a very complex baseline, was about six months where I could say, and and you know, honestly, uh, if I would have had the data, I could have probably done it in two days, uh, but it was this a concept of going at the pace of their, their ability to, uh, to accept the information, to work the information, Uh, we also had to uh, build and evolve the relationship with their financial advisor because there's a few things that need to be changed uh, and so on and you know they honestly trusted their financial advisor and they need to build the trust into uh, me and my siblings in order to uh, to make that transition but yeah it's a long process and you got to be it's important to go very carefully and very methodically
1: for sure and there's some uh, there's also folks that have had trusted um, certain professionals throughout their lives, like doctors and stuff, that things change, right? And sometimes whoever they're dealing with doesn't actually have a full picture. And therefore, we need to look at it a little bit different. But let's take a break, Mac. And after the break, we're going to continue this conversation. Go grab a cup of tea, stretch your legs. You're watching Artful Aging with Amy on Bull Brave TV. If you're a planner or trying to be one, Things You Should Know is a great place to start. Personal information, power of attorney info, and real estate is just a fraction of the information you can store in this fillable planner and record keeper. Download your free copy today at tntoast.ca forward slash medical dash planner to get started. Hello, and thanks for joining us again. Mark is an author of Advocacy and Aging, as you can see here, and there's a link to his book on uh, ArtfulAgingWithAmy.com. And advocacy for our loved one is such an important conversation as you're uh, either learning or you know uh, um, already. Mark, could you maybe give us some more information about your book? What's the main issue that you're addressing in the book?
0: Yes, Um, the whole book started by, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the, the concept that we're going to live longer and we all need to accept that there's going to be degradation in capabilities. And with that, you're going to need help uh and support, which is kind of not natural. We all have to remember that we were born and then we built the skills uh to fly by our own wings and have our own independence. And now we're talking about taking away that and handing it over. And that's not a concept that you know most people are proud to to have uh you know flown by their own wings and you know done whatever they've done in life and built whatever they've built and now you're gonna again hand it over because you have to admit that you may not be as capable as you are, or your children or your spouse are better positioned than you. So it's a hard concept to do. So when you start, but when you start and accepting that reality, uh, and you start uh, planning accordingly, uh, then it helps. So the book is about putting the framework that says, what do you need to plan for as you go, as you age? And it puts a say, you know, in the end, I, I've now discovered it's kind of an umbrella. It's an umbrella that addresses all the areas that you need to address while you're aging and puts a set of principles and criteria so that when you go in more depth in each of those areas and, you know, it's, a fina- it's about financial planning. It's about uh, legal. It's about organizing. It's about transitioning. I don't go deep in all. There's There's lots of books and experts on financial planning. There's lots of experts on legal. But... It's a set of principle that says you need to worry about these areas and you need to do your homework and this is what you need to look for uh, when, when you have those areas. And, and we'll talk a little bit more a little uh, in the next section about what I mean in certain those areas. but uh, it's, it's, it's very important. And what I find out is there's a lot of experts and books on each of the topics, But there's not a set of principle and an an overall map that that, uh, guides you to where you need to go. So that's fundamentally the book. And through that book, as I mentioned earlier, it became very clear there's a lot of open communications that have to be had and you need to involve people and build relationships that will fundamentally end up being your team that's going to support you through the life transitions.
1: I think a lot of what people don't understand is that, like you said, they're, they're going to a stage in life where... They may not have as much control, especially if it's a cognitive issue. Uh, and they might be losing different controls in their life that they're not wanting to do. Like you said, no one's proud to do that. But what we try to tell the community uh, and what I'm doing with Artful Aging is to tell people that, you know, if you plan, then it will be your choice. If you don't plan, it won't be your choice. It's kind of it's I want to say black and white because it it sort of is. It's like if you can make a plan and educate your team and your family on what you want, most often the family and the team are gonna follow the plan as you go and therefore you will have choice. But the people that stick their head in the sand, they, they're they the ones that end up not having choice. We had a client that called us the other day that wanted to move to a retirement home. But when we started asking her some questions of information that we need to do uh, the process properly, what the retirement home might need for information, She said, no, I don't want to divulge anything. I don't want anybody to know anything. I will wait until I'm in a critical spot in the hospital and then they will send me to a retirement home. And for, you know, professionals like ourselves, it's jaw dropping, although not uncommon. And it's just like that, that amount of people that don't want people to know what their business is. And it's unfortunate because if they actually would just do a plan um, then people could help them and they wouldn't get in a situation where they feel like things are being taken away with, from them. Um, what about life transitions, Mark? What kind of life transitions should seniors contemplate when they're kind of looking at what to plan, I guess?
0: Well, I, I think that, um, uh, you know, I think it's different for everybody. But what's clear is there will be life transitions, okay? And I, I, there's a, a book I particularly uh, was inspired with or early on in my journey uh, by Kitty Butler it's called the art of dying and and she's much more focused on the healthcare side and the and and the support that you need through that but she typically has four or five phases there where you know you go from uh, total independence to uh, partial independence to ultimately end of care life and palliative care and and when you look at you kind of realize there are some uh, gradual steps and in those steps you will need different support from people around you, whether it's emotional or actually very tangible actions, uh, you may and likely will need to have some home transition and whether it's changing your own home or going retirement home or nursing home or palliative care and, and all of that. So it's not black and white and not everyone goes through all the phases and not everyone, you know, the same duration, but there are those kinds of life transition and, and you need to, um, to be cognitive of those, uh, as you said, you need to uh, communicate your wishes and your values and beliefs so that whoever's around you, especially if you lose your cognitive skills, uh, we're able to support you properly according to your wishes, not how other people uh, would like to do it. Uh, in the end, it's, this is all, all about the planning. I, I really like you know, keep bringing everyone your show about the planning and, and, and the preparation. And it's all about uh, if you plan and you have a clear view of knowing that you're you're organized and you have a team around you, then you could live with peace of mind and really maximize the quality of life through all those life transitions. And and really that's what it's all about. We we're entering you know people are entering year entering a journey, and and everyone deserves a quality of life, whatever state. We don't like to complicate, contemplate being uh, degraded from where we are today, but you should, we all deserve and you want quality of life for everybody.
1: Yeah. And I hope that, you know, as generations age, everybody gets more used to understanding that there's transitions because a lot of the seniors we work with right now who don't want to plan, they stick their head in the sand. And they say, well, I'm going to go out feet first. It's like, well, that's not really a plan. That probably is generally doesn't happen. I don't know the stats on how many people just kind of drop dead and that's it. And, you know, they're healthy one minute and they're gone. Probably doesn't happen that often, and you know a lot of people are hedging their bets on that plan. And you know it's all we can do to say yeah, it's not quite a plan. Let's make a better plan, right? So, what is there anything that seniors and caregivers can look for if they they feel like an advocacy issue has come up or anything that they could look for for planning purposes?
0: You know, um, I'm not sure I fully understand the question, but I do believe one of the things a lot of people focus on the financial side I think people need to start thinking of the healthcare side a lot more and uh, I particularly am a proponent of going to do a healthcare directive some people call it a living will or advanced care and I think that that's not an easy process but if you could open a conversation on that topic all of a sudden it forces you to think through of scenarios uh, that from scenarios that you need to think about, um, and it's even hard. Even if you uh, you kind of say, even if you're on a diagnostic, people that had a critical illness diagnostic will tell you how difficult it is to crystallize their wishes. But the more you, I don't want you. Everyone spent all their time there, but if you spend some time to do so uh, and eventually start opening the conversation, opening it with other people, you'll find that eventually your your own values and beliefs get, gets crystallized. Uh, and that really helps you plan and decide for what may be the care you want.
1: Sure, sure. Okay, well, Mac, we're gonna take a break. Uh, we're gonna continue the conversation when we come back. You're watching Artful Aging with Amy. We'll see you in a few. Are you watching us on YouTube, but would rather listen to us in the car or on a walk? No problem. Artful Aging with Amy is also available as a podcast. Head over to artfulagingwithamy.com for the links. Welcome back to our Aging with Amy. I'm your host, Amy Friesen, and today we're talking about Advocacy in Aging with Max Gant. Max, could you tell us uh, a little bit more about Advocacy in Aging, your book, uh, about the five pillars that you have in here?
0: Yes. Uh, in the end, as I went through the, uh, the whole thought process of uh, what do we have to plan for during the aging years, or for the aging years, I should say, I ended up summarizing Uh, and structuring the book uh, based on five pillars. So I'm going to briefly go through them. Uh, There's some words in the title that are very important, but uh, you may not pick it up right away, but I'm going to try to bring it alive and so that you get a good sense of it. Uh, The first one is about financial uh, management and planning, but it says structure your um, your financial plan to enable transition. So the word structure is very important, and what I've uncovered is there's a lot of, there's a lot of financial advisors, a lot of financial planners some some of them are investment advisors rather than planners uh, and so on but I've, I've, I've not often seen someone structured in a way that is simple for everyone to understand and be able to use that as an approach and I use an approach called the um, the three allotment approach which is very simple it, or one allotment is about what you need to live until the planning cycle so if you plan to 90 or 95 which is pretty much standard these days there is then, the second allotment, which is people are afraid of not having enough, but if you plan, do a proper plan, you'll be able to put your assets and the necessary um, uh, net part of your net worth that will cover those exceptional circumstances, exceptional health care, living too long or long, or it's never too long, I would say, and so on. And then the one that's magical to me is the third allotment for some people that I have managed to build more of a network is what you'll never need. And no one ever openly structures that way. But I really like that because once you see that picture, uh, you get a very clear view and it gives you comfort. But also, especially if you have uh, extra, then it next lets you think about, okay, this is the inheritance or this is what I want to give to charity or this is what I work for. And you can start now thinking of doing it while you're, um, while you're alive, so why not gift? charity and enjoy that and participate in it why not give the inheritance early to your kid but you people don't tend or are comfortable do that unless unless you have a clear picture it also that structure allows uh, an easy transition so if you talk high level to your power of attorneys uh, to and your family uh, here's the big picture and then the details could work themselves so I talk about a lot that and you know, and I also put put a big emphasis on a financial plan is not just an investment plan. It encompasses budgets, uh, objective, and so on and so forth. So, uh, number one, number two pillar is about the legal foundation. Aaron Mc McMan- did a great job in one of your prior episode to go in some of the details. Uh, I really focus, and the title has has the word activate in there, and activate now. It also talks about healthcare directive. Uh, what I found out is that uh, in too many cases, and especially in the living year, it's not as much of a problem with wills, but uh, for the power of attorney, they're either not in place or they're not activated. And uh, people think, well, you know, this is a legal document, it'd be easy, but I'm going to tell you, it's work to put in place uh, and make your power of attorney active. And what I mean by that is you may find out, like when I went through it, my parents uh, it took me about nine months to twelve months. I, I was not going a fast pace, but you know, I. But by the time you find out all the institutions and the organizations that need to have your power of attorney, uh, each one of them have their approval process, and some of them actually, especially banks, may not recognize the power of attorney and go through the process. And if the person can't be there to, uh, to attest that yes, you are uh, the delegate, then it could be a long process, which, in some cases, could be problematic. So. I encourage people to activate it and activate it now. For some people, that's scary. You know, if, if I say my son have access to everything, oh, well, I, I can't do that. Well, why not? Well, I'm not sure I trust them. Well, what if you fall on your head tomorrow and you're in a coma? You trust them now to manage their affairs? So uh, to me, uh, I know it's uh, it's not the norm. I know that it's not comfortable for people to do that, but I'm, I, I spent a lot of time in that pillar to talk about Uh, the need to put the legal foundation, and but more so to do it now. I also put an emphasis, as I said earlier, on the healthcare directive. So that's kind of pillar two. Pillar three, uh, again, was covered very well um, by Giselle uh, uh, Grenier-Miller in one of our previous segments, which it's about simplifying, organizing, downsizing. Uh, We've spent all our life accumulating assets and goods. It's part of our quality of life, but really, we're not using necessarily all uh, especially as you age, you may not need a bigger home or the cottage may become a burden and so on. So how do you slowly, it doesn't have to be done overnight, but how to slowly uh, downsize and so on. And ultimately, and most important is to document. And I know, Amy, you've got a great uh, organizer in, uh, on your website that says how do you document everything. I think the documentation is, is critical. And I'm going to tell you, uh, my personal criteria and approach is, I want my whoever is if something happened to me within 24 hours. I want people to be up my whether it's my wife, my kids, to be operational. I don't want them to be looking for information. I don't want them to be scrambling to get approval to access the information and so on and so forth. I basically want them to operate. And that's part of how I document, also how I communicate so they know how organized. But it's easier done if you also simplifies and downsize and so on. So so that's the third pillar. Fourth and fifth are fairly uh, obvious. The fifth, fourth is about how to gradually transition uh, the management of your financials and your estate. And the fifth one is the healthcare. care. And nearly you do that in phases with my parents. Fundamentally, we opened the communication, worked on the plan together. Eventually, I I started shadowing my dad and had quarterly review. And, and eventually I took over some part of the investments. Uh, and you know, gradually, and one day, my dad has a mild stroke and said, "I, I trust you, you know better than me. You're more capable." And he basically says, "You do it." And so you do that in phases, and and it ends up working great. So those that's the summary of the five pillars. Uh, and with that, I create five sub teams uh, that that get built over that that period of time.
1: I think people don't realize, as as you're talking about too, that it's a massive undertaking for someone to step into somebody else's shoes, right? It's, you know, we're lost and that's what you're trying to do. And what I'm trying to do is give people direction and like, and tools so that you could step easier into those, but you have to have participation for the person's shoes that you're stepping into. And so anything that you can do to help these people is better. I mean, we speak with a lot of executives as well, and it's a nightmare, right? Like it's a long, long process. It's very involved um So just to have those extra things in place uh, would make things much easier. After the break, Mac and I are going to speak about top tips for people in their senior years, and I want to know if Mark's implemented his own advice. We'll be back in a minute on our Aging with Amy. Are you in need of retirement living but unsure where to begin? At RetirementHomeAdvisors.ca, we have brought senior living advisors together from all over Canada to help families navigate the senior living industry. For more information, book a call with one of our advisors today. Welcome back to Our Full Aging with Amy. I hope you had time to get a stretch and a tea or a coffee. We're talking with Mark about uh, advocacy and aging. We're going to look for some tips for people who are entering their senior years. But I have to ask Mark, now that you're a young guy, tell me, have you implemented your suggestions from Advocacy and Aging, because although I implement a lot of what I do uh, into my life, there are definitely still things on my to-do list. So how is your to-do list?
0: Yeah, well, thank you for asking. And, uh, uh, you know, I have, I I will be honest in my answer here. Uh, Let me me first speak about, uh, yes, I've implemented it. Uh, Let's talk about my parents. And my parents pretty pretty much became a a bit of the... uh, uh, the benchmark for the framework, because as I said earlier in the, in the call, uh, I was, um, you know, I was first uh, had an eye opener through my, my in-laws and this is where I kind of said, you know, I'm gonna go be proactive with my parents. And it was a, a great process. And I'm gonna say that most of the book and the book tells a story about my parents through each of the pillars. It tells stories about other people also, but uh, fundamentally I would say I've implemented uh, most, if not all, of of that for my parents. The the part that I'm a little weak is on the healthcare directive. By the time uh, that it was, um, we had the opportunity to, or we should have had the discussion, it was probably too late. My mom was well into dementia and my dad is getting older and it's a difficult conversation. It was kind of interesting because at Thanksgiving last year, when he had read the book, he said to me, have we done everything in the book? I said, well... Most of it, but we're a little weak on the healthcare directive, and and we actually had a conversation. Uh, I actually learned a lot from that conversation. I uh, got the most out of it, but it's not as far as I'd like. But my benchmark is pretty uh, is pretty high on that one, so that's good. Let's talk about me. Uh, you know, uh, for sure, uh, my financial pl- planning process is uh, I would say in good shape. It took a long time even though I knew where I was going and so on, to get the answers on those three allotments, to get the clarity I was looking, to be able to communicate uh, to the broader group of my family or the, the group I want to talk to in a way that everyone can understand without getting into complex spreadsheet, which a lot of investors do in curves and so on. It's very simple, but easy to communicate. So that's good. Uh, in terms of the communication process, I'm early days. Uh, it's going to be a process that's going to take uh, a while so that I... You know, get to a point where uh, my delegates will be able to operate exactly as I am. But I started the conversation. Uh, the the legal foundation is there. Uh, it's been shared openly with my children. The healthcare directive been shared. In fact, my my son, uh, often you're used to it, it's, all oh, you're getting old, this is what you said we wanted, we should do it. <laughs> so, we want a ski trip. He said, oh, you got a pain in your back that you don't like those things. Well, we're gonna act on your healthcare directive now. <laughs> so, so, that, so that's underway, but I don't think they understand and feel it uh, as much. So it's gonna be an ongoing communication process and so on. Um, the organizing, this has become a philosophy of mine. Uh, yes, I I'm, I think that within 24 hours, uh, my wife or anyone will find the documents. They are aware; they've seen all the documents. It's it's probably more detailed than anyone would want. But I found out that as you go and you put yourself in the mode that tomorrow I won't be there and someone's got to figure this out, and you kind of say, "Well, I need to document this way, or I need to simplify." So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm pretty organized, but you know, there's still a lot to do uh, in terms of communication. So I think I'm early days in the communications. Uh, I'm early days in transitions. I am putting in place, um, like on the financial transition, the POAs with uh, financial institution, give my uh, delegates, including my kids, the rights to all of this. People think I'm a little crazy, but. Uh, uh, I've built the trust and I'm building trust. On the healthcare, very interesting. Uh, I've actually shared my healthcare directive with my doctor. And uh, unfortunately, through COVID, it was you know hard to have some live interaction. But what, one thing that, that was kind of interesting was that after I sent her the document, three months later, I had an appointment and she said to me, do you mind if I share your document with my colleagues? And I said to her, uh, tell me why and she says well I've never seen something so simple so clear uh before I've seen I've seen others but this is clear and I really understand your wishes and I think we all should should adopt that I said well but before you share it I need to tell you that there's a book that comes with this the book had not been released so so eventually uh I sent her the book and we had the next conversation but uh it was really telling to me that um uh, and my goal in my healthcare directive was not only to communicate my wishes, but make it easy for someone else to understand. So that you know, in a circumstance that there was no, there's a bit of controversy around the healthcare directive. Uh, if it's not clear, then you know, there's then debates within family, we even with medical questioning. Uh, this was, I guess, my healthcare directive uh, was is pretty good in that respect, and that's something I worked uh, I worked towards. So that that was really good. So. Um, so that's kind of summary where I'm at, and uh, you know I've got myself a five to eight year or horizon, so that I really feel uh, that at least with my core family and the key people that I want as part of my advocates, that they've gone to the next level of depth. So it's all in place. It started the communications process, but it's 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 an ongoing process.
1: I think it's an interesting spot to point out as well that because of your background, you have X amount organized. And because of my background, I have X amount organized. So, And we're professionals in what we do, but we still don't have it all together. And so for people who are not professionals in these types of fields, even more reason to plan early because we actually know the direction and the path. It might be a time thing. It might be a process thing for us, but there's a lot of people Who don't even know what path they're on and so that's even more reason to start planning ahead and trying to organize things even before you think that you need it what's the reaction to your book been mark
0: oh i'm going to tell you it's been uh it's been quite gratifying uh because you know you never know if you communicate clearly whether it's a subject people like and so on Uh, everyone that's read the book has literally taken an action within days of, of, of reading the book. And, uh, you know, I have enough of a sample to know that that's the case. And, you know, it was particularly pleasing when I, you know, there's some people that are lawyers and, uh, financial, my own financial advisor and his wife actually ended up changing their plan, going to lawyer, uh, uh, the not only everyone has taken tangible actions, but, uh, you know, some people that you would have thought are very, very organized. So, so that's been gratifying to me. And that's the goal is to share the wisdom, share the, uh, and you know, the, the approach so that more people get organized. And, uh, I'll, I'll briefly mention one of the thing, biggest, it's not a word, but an observation is if you don't plan, I've seen that, um, often the consequences of a lot of family rift. And I've seen it over and over in all the stories I've lived through. And that's kind of what I'm avoiding. So the, the, the book was a great reception. People are acting interesting. People usually zoom in on one approach. They don't grasp the umbrella. So I have a checklist at the end of every pillar. So I recommend that people go back because you really zoomed in in one part, but you missed the other because you, I guess it opened your eyes on that part, but don't miss out on the others.
1: Well, Mark, I think that I'm hoping that today's conversation has been really good for all of our viewers. It's been definitely eye-opening for me as well. I want to thank you for coming on again. This is this has been terrific. So thanks so much for joining us today.
0: And thank you for having me. And thank you for putting these episodes. I think it's important for uh, the next generation to plan. And and really also our children. My children are not even organized for their own stage of life. And, uh, and even though we're focused on aging, this applies for everybody. Thank you
1: absolutely. Well, after the break, we're going to go over my top tips from today for those folks who love the Coles Notes version. You're watching Our Jean with Amy here on Bold Brave TV. Are you and your family considering senior living options, but you're not quite sure where to start? In my best-selling book, Breadcrumbs Piecing Together the Retirement Living Industry, you will find tips and strategies for navigating the entire journey. Whether you're needing help with understanding the basics or strategies to help a loved one with dementia, it's all inside. Head over to tntoast.ca forward slash ebook to pick up your copy today. Welcome back to Artful Aging with Amy. We're speaking with Mark today about advocacy on aging. Uh, I hope that you did enjoy today. If you would like a link to Mark's book, please head over to artfulagingwithamy.com. There's a link uh, for the book as well as his bio. Uh, Also, what Mark was mentioning was our uh, booklet for planning, which is on the Tea and Toast site, and there's a link for that on our Aging as well. Um, let's go over a couple of top tips for advocating for your loved one. So my top tip is really to observe and check in often. There's a lot of seniors that don't wanna bother people. There's a lot of seniors that don't wanna say anything. It doesn't even have to be specifically a senior. If you if you think something's going on and that somebody could use an extra voice, an extra person to help. Um, ideally, if you're checking in often to show them that you care, that will open up a little bit more of that communication that Mark was talking about. Number two, if you need to have, uh, if, you, if it's needed, help one of your loved ones assess the care that they're getting on a regular basis. People's care needs change all the time and they may need more care or they actually may need less care if they're getting better. And so it's always important that if there's um, healthcare folks involved like PSWs or support workers um, and you're hiring a company or you're getting it from a retirement home or you're bringing in the public care, always try to look at what the care is coming in and, and and evaluate whether you need it, whether that person would need it still, or they need more or less, because um, there's also value on both sides. If they need more care, let's get the care in so that that they're safe. But also if they need less care, let's maybe look at a plan to take away some care so they remain independent and they can retain that. Um, I think that's just as important at times. Number three, don't be afraid to say something. As I said, people don't, tell their loved ones a lot about what's going on. Uh, They tell me all the time that they're having issues uh, with providers and they don't feel like they can uh, say anything. And so a lot of seniors are actually having issues with somebody, with a provider, with someone that's giving care, and they don't want to say anything. We get that with other uh, businesses as well. They have a problem, but they're afraid to say something. And so going back to, you know, if you're checking in often, you're going to be at the first of that issue. Hopefully that you can rectify it quickly so don't be afraid to say something my outlook is as long as you are respectful and you ask them if you can give them opinion usually that'll open up a conversation uh, and people won't get their back up as much as opposed to just saying hey mom i feel like this or hey mom and they're coming at them we always tell our clients at tea and toast make room for the conversation let your loved one know that you have concerns and that you would like to speak to them about it don't be afraid to open that door And there you have it. So on next week's show, we're going to talk about brain health and nutrition. Again, if you're looking for resources, head over to ArtfulAgingWithAmy.com. You'll find links to everything there. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. Like us on YouTube or Facebook uh, and help get the word out of ArtfulAgingWithAmy.com. I almost feel like we should call it the planning show. So from me to all of you, I hope that you have a wonderful Wednesday and we're live on Bold Brave TV every week. Take care. You've been listening to Artful Aging with host Amy. Many folks just like you feel they're alone in their journey in helping a loved one or caregiver. So tune in each week and let Amy show you that help is around the corner and is just one conversation away. Here on Artful Aging.